Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for September 10th, 2022 Saturday reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Judy's House Opens New Location in Aurora for Families Suffering Grief Written by Karina Julig Mayor Kaufman Slate's Town Hall Meeting Saturday Focusing on Aurora Crime Written by Karina Julig Colorado Freedom Memorial to Hold 9-11 Remembrance Sunday Morning in Aurora Written by Karina Julig and Max Levy New DA Dashboard Offers Insights in Criminal Justice in Aurora Across the State Written by Colleen Slevin And following up with miscellaneous articles Judy's House Opens a New Location in Aurora for Families Suffering Grief By Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, September 9, 2022 Aurora Individual and group therapy rooms, a big lawn, an art room, in-house office space. Those are some of the amenities of the new Judy's House location in Aurora, which held its grand opening in August. The facility, which was founded by former NFL player Brian Greasy and his wife, Brooke Greasy, in honor of Brian's late mother, Judy, who died of breast cancer when he was 12. Judy's house works with bereaved children and their families in the Denver metro area, along with conducting research and training on grief support. According to the organization, 1 in 13 children will experience the death of a parent or sibling before they turn 18 totaling 5.6 million children overall. Parental loss has gained renewed attention during the coronavirus pandemic, which according to a study published this month has robbed 10.5 million children worldwide of a parent or caregiver. Quote, For those of us in the bereavement field, there is some hope, and that bereavement has come out of the shadows in many ways. Unquote. Judy's House Chief Clinical Officer Mickey Burns told reporter Anya Kamenetz in her book, The Stolen Year, quote, With the mass amount of death that we've seen, it has really created this place of empathy and understanding for families who were grieving before, and even more so for families who have had a loss in the past year or so, unquote, Burns said. The 26,470-square-foot house was specifically designed to meet the nonprofit's needs and will be replacing its old location in Denver. CEO Jessica Maitland Mayo said that Judy's house had grown out of its old quarters, which were two repurposed Victorian-style houses in the Denver area. The location was also challenging for some families to get to, she said. The new location will be more centrally located and is close to a number of transportation hubs, 
including the light rail and I-70, Mayo said. Aurora also had more families with children than Denver, she said, which makes it a good location. Quote, in our programming, we serve children from all types of socioeconomic backgrounds, and it feels like a good metaphor to be in a community that is as diverse as the community that we serve, unquote, she said. The land the house was constructed on at East 25th Avenue near Stanley Marketplace was purchased from Aurora Public Schools and was originally not for sale. However, due to the ongoing partnership Judy's House had with APS, where it hosts grief groups in district middle schools, the district agreed in the spring of 2020 to sell the property for $1.045 million. APS Superintendent Rico Munn was present at the ribbon cutting, where he spoke about the importance of the facility being located in Aurora. Quote, this is a community that's experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of loss and is often associated with that, unquote, Munn said. Quote, however, this community should also be associated with the healing that is happening here, unquote. All of the services that Judy's House provides to families are free. The organization is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. In that time, it has served over 13,000 children, with those numbers increasing over the years. Mayo said she hopes the new location will put it in good stead to serve children and their families for decades to come. Quote, We hope that our families feel it is an easy door to walk through, unquote, she said. Mayor Kaufman slates town hall meeting Saturday focusing on Aurora crime by Karina Julig, Sentinel staff writer, September 9, 2022. Aurora Mayor Mike Kaufman will be holding a town hall meeting Saturday afternoon with the Aurora Police Department, which will provide an update on crime in the city. On his Twitter page, Kaufman said that APD will discuss motor vehicle theft in the city and as well as violent crime rates in general. Quote, there will also be an update on Aurora's new camping ban ordinance by the mayor and an update on the city's water conservation measures by Aurora Water, unquote, Kaufman wrote. The city council recently passed an ordinance limiting the size and plant species allowed in lawns as well as prohibiting turn-in new golf courses and medians. The meeting is scheduled to take place from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Saturday at the Hoffman Heights Library, 1298 Peoria Street. Colorado Freedom Memorial to Hold 9-11 Remembrance Sunday Morning in Aurora by Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, September 9th, 2022. Aurora. The Colorado Freedom Memorial will be holding a Remembrance Sunday morning to mark 21 years since the September 11th terrorist attacks. 
According to information on the memorial's Facebook page, from 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., the memorial will have a display of photos from that day and a piece of steel from the North Tower of the World Trade Center available for viewing. Quote, at 9 a.m., short remarks will be made and we welcome everyone to come and quietly reflect on the events of 21 years ago, unquote, the memorial said online. Quote, many of those we honor on the memorial who died in the global war on terror were inspired to serve by the events of 9-11, and it is right to come and pay respects this Sunday and honor the promise to never forget, unquote. The Colorado Freedom Memorial is at 756 Telluride Street in Aurora. New DA Dashboard offers insights in criminal justice in Aurora, across the state. By Colleen Slevin, Associated Press, September 9, 2022. Denver A bipartisan group of eight Colorado district attorneys on Thursday unveiled online data dashboards providing information to the public on the cases they prosecute including the racial and economic status of defendants and the kinds of sentences handed down for them. The effort is part of a trend among more prosecutors nationally to provide more transparency to the public about how the criminal justice system works and also help them address any racial and economic disparities after first identifying them in the numbers. The data is taken from internal case management systems and then analyzed in a way that can be understood by prosecutors and the general public. District attorneys in cities including Philadelphia and Chicago and parts of California are among those that have started to use data dashboards, interactive collections of graphs and tables showing the data, to promote transparency said Salik Vinglai, a senior researcher at Vera Institute for Justice. The research and policy organization has provided technical assistance to help district attorney offices use data to change policies affecting racial disparities and mass incarceration, but was not involved in Colorado's project. Flingai was not aware of any other statewide effort to share such data other than Colorado's. Some jurisdictions have gone farther than just providing the summaries shown on data dashboards. Philadelphia's District Attorney's Office publishes reports interpreting the data on specific issues and offering solutions, Flingai said. Chicago's top prosecutor, who was among the first prosecutors to use data, Kim Fox, also makes raw data available so people can analyze it for what they are looking for, said Mona Sahaf, deputy director of Vera's reshaping prosecution program. John Kellner, the top prosecutor in the 18th Judicial District in Aurora and Metro Southern Suburbs, said he became interested in exploring more prosecution data after discovering more white teens were being put into diversion programs than black teens because the black teens tended to live in Aurora. 
where the municipal court did not provide a diversion option as municipal courts in other parts of the district did. Quote, disparity does not necessarily equal discrimination, but you want to understand why we have disparate results, unquote, he said. Kellner, the Republican candidate for Colorado Attorney General in November's election, said he is also hoping following data can help prosecutors in his district focus on the biggest offenders in the growing problem of auto thefts there. Denver District Attorney Beth McCann said prosecutors are, quote, swimming upstream, unquote, against a fundamental mistrust of government and need to work to earn the public's trust, especially from communities of color after a tough-on-crime approach led to mass incarceration while not offering enough help to marginalized people. Quote, our collective challenge is to use this data to understand our work and apply to improve public safety and the criminal justice system, unquote, said McCann, a Democrat who describes herself as a progressive prosecutor. Colorado's voluntary pilot program to analyze the data and post the dashboards was done with the help of the Prosecutorial Performance Indicators Project a joint effort led by researchers at Loyola University Chicago and Florida International University and the Colorado Evaluation and Action Lab at the University of Denver. Next, Colorado's other 14 district attorneys will be asked if they would also like to participate, said Lauren Gase, a senior researcher and project director at the Colorado Lab. Researchers will also be taking a deeper look into racial data, she said. Native Narrative Amid land-acknowledged dissent, Colorado and Aurora History Speaks for Itself by Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, September 9, 2022 Aurora's founding on land taken from Native Americans recently divided its city council over how best to address the injustices of the past, raising the question of how far removed the city is or should be from its colonial history. If the timeline of human settlement near Aurora spanned the length of a football field, the period of indigenous control would stretch nearly from end zone to end zone, with the story of the 131-year-old city of Aurora told only in the final few yards. For thousands of years, indigenous Americans called the region home, migrating over the plains and into the foothills in pursuit of game and winter shelter developing a complex and strong relationship with the land. Acknowledging Aurora's indigenous history by way of a short statement before meetings was last month considered and rejected by the city council, but ultimately embraced by the mayor, who read an acknowledgement for the first time before the group's meeting on August 22nd. Much longer ago than Europeans, even before they were Europeans, 
Historian Elliot West writes in his 1998 book, quote, The Contested Plains, unquote, that the prairies of Colorado may have been one of the first corners of the country to be inhabited by man. America's first immigrants likely crossed a, quote, land bridge, unquote, connecting Siberia and Alaska that was exposed by falling sea levels during the last ice age between 12,000 and 14,000 years ago. As they moved southward, deeper into the interior of the continent, the newcomers would have followed the Rocky Mountains, seeking out more moderate weather at the base of the Front Range. Quote, the first Americans might have camped along creeks and in clusters of timber where Denver and Colorado Springs later appeared, unquote, West wrote. Quote, they may have stayed for decades or for centuries, unquote. According to West, those early denizens of the Front Range would have been part of the Clovis and later Folsom cultures. They were accomplished hunters who stalked the hulking bison Antiquus over the same terrain where the Cheyenne and Arapaho would hunt modern bison many thousands of years later. At one site in Yuma County, dating back 10,000 years, the butchered skeletons of more than 300 bison as well as remnants of ancient weapons and tools have been uncovered, testifying to the success of the early plains hunters. Quote, for 5,000 years, nearly half its human history, the Central Plains were home to a series of societies of master hunters, unquote. West writes, quote, Several millennia before the birth of Christ, the plains already lay deep in a history of movement and adjustment, crisis and resolution. Unquote. Shrinking bison herds led to the development of a seasonal rhythm among Colorado's indigenous people. In the valleys near the base of the Front Range, rivers converged and the terrain offered shelter from the wind, which made them an attractive place to hunker down during the winter. As the weather warmed, small groups would move north into Wyoming and west into North Park and Middle Park, where they found animals to hunt and courts to make tools. With the arrival of fall, groups would coordinate large hunts using elaborate stone structures to funnel herds of animals into pens where they would be slaughtered in mass before the snow again drove the hunters down into their winter camps. Quote, this arrangement proved flexible and sustaining for more than 60 centuries from the time when Sumerians were founding Babylon until the eve of the present, unquote. West writes, quote, white pioneers who moved onto the plains east to west believed they were leaving the old country for the new.
They had it exactly backwards, unquote. Spain and France became the first European nations to stake claims to parts of Colorado in the 17th and 18th centuries. West writes that the Cheyenne called the first European traders Vejo, while the Arapaho called them Niata, both words meaning, quote, spider, unquote in reference to the ingenuity of the foreigners who brought never-before-seen trade goods like iron cookware and firearms, guns as well as horses, which were also introduced by whites, radically changed life on the plains, giving the indigenous tribes a leg up in hunting and warfare. The Europeans also brought with them diseases that wiped out many of the immunologically sheltered natives. By 1803, the land that would one day become Aurora was included in the French territory of Louisiana, a vast swath of land stretching from New Orleans and the Gulf of Mexico in the south to present-day Saskatchewan in the north. That year, France sold the United States its interest in Louisiana for $15 million in modern currency, according to one estimate by National Geographic. French and American control over most of the territory was nominal in 1803, but the Louisiana Purchase laid the groundwork for the U.S. government to initiate the final stage of white settlement that would ultimately serve the relationship between native Coloradans and their homelands. Settlers or Invaders According to Colorado Encyclopedia, an online reference material developed by Colorado State University, Colorado Humanities, and the University Press of Colorado, fur traders were active in Arapaho County by the 1820s and in 1832. The first trading post on the South Platte River was established along Cherry Creek. West writes that the Arapaho had forged a strong alliance with the Cheyenne and abandoned an agricultural existence in the East for a life on horseback by the 1820s. The Cheyenne, too, adopted the life of nomadic horsemen, giving them the ability to hunt bison more efficiently and mediate the trade between Native Americans and the European colonists to the east and south. They came to Colorado in the early 1800s, according to West. Life on horseback followed a new seasonal cycle of migration, with hunters fattening their horses on spring greenery before riding to hunt bison and fight rival tribes during the summer. In the fall, the hunting groups would disperse and then winter in the relative shelter of river bottoms near cottonwoods that could be burned for warmth 
and whose branches and bark could be fed to horses if no other food was available. The Arapaho and Cheyenne shared control of the land that would be Aurora by the time the American pioneers began their westward migration through and into Colorado. Gordon Yellowman, director of the Language and Culture Program of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes in western Oklahoma, said as many as 4,000 indigenous people may have lived around Aurora at the time. Peace with the nearby Apache, Comanche, and Kiowa peoples was achieved in 1840 through an agreement mediated in part by Arapaho Chief Little Raven. Brothers Ben Wrigley and Gail and Eugene Wrigley of the northern Arapaho traced their lineage back to Little Raven. They described him as a skilled diplomat and an ambassador for the native peoples of Colorado. Quote, he looked out for the people's interests, unquote, Ben Ridley said. Quote, I think he thought he would remain in good standing with the U.S. government at that time, but it didn't happen that way, unquote. Little Raven would eventually set up camp with a few hundred others along Cherry Creek. Gail Wrigley said the American government forced the chief to leave in the late 1850s. The discovery of gold in Englewood's Little Dry Creek and later Clear Creek greatly accelerated the movement of white settlers into Colorado around that time, leading to the establishment of mining camps that would later grow into cities like Denver and Boulder. In quote, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, unquote. Author and historian D. Brown says Little Raven told the eager miners that he was, quote, glad to see them getting gold, but reminded them that the land belonged to the Indians and expressed the hope they would not stay around after they found all the yellow metal they needed, unquote. But many of the settlers had no plans of leaving. Jeffrey Hunt, a retired history professor and former chair of social sciences at the Community College of Aurora, framed the conflict between the settlers and Native Americans in terms of competition over precious, limited resources like bison and timber. Quote, By the 1850s, the buffalo were pretty well cleared out of Colorado's plains. And then when you have 100,000 people coming across the plains in one summer, that drives away the game from the trails, unquote, Hunt said. Quote, there went the neighborhood, unquote. In 1851, at a spot near Fort Laramie in present-day Wyoming, the U.S. government signed an agreement with a handful of tribes which in part recognized a swath of territory extending over much of eastern Colorado, including land as far as Denver and Aurora, as reserved for the Cheyenne and Arapaho peoples. The tribes in exchange agreed to leave westward traveling Americans alone. 
but as white gold seekers and later farmers and ranchers competed for the resources that were the pillars of native life, frustrations grew. The U.S. government gathered some chiefs together at Fort Wise in 1861 to present a new agreement. This time, the United States proposed to regulate the Cheyenne and Arapaho to a reservation on a fraction of the land promised a decade earlier in exchange for pledges of government assistance. The Treaty of Fort Wise was signed, though Colorado Encyclopedia states the chiefs later said they did not understand the terms. The agreement also failed to move the majority of the tribes onto the reservation next to the Arkansas River and Big Sandy Creek. Tensions between settlers and Colorado's indigenous people erupted finally in November 1864 with the unprovoked massacre of hundreds of Cheyenne and Arapaho women, children, and elders on the banks of Big Sandy Creek by U.S. Volunteer Cavalry led by Colonel John Shivington. Ryan Ortiz, a representative of the Northern Arapaho to the Sand Creek Massacre Foundation who traces his ancestry back to the massacred Chief White Antelope, described the infamous killing as the result of years of policy decisions that stripped the Plains tribes of their lands and legalized a violence against them by whites. He mentioned, in particular, then-territorial Governor John Evans' proclamation in August 1864 that it was illegal, quote, to kill and destroy, as enemies of the country, all hostile Indians, unquote. The declaration was formally rescinded last year. Evans also appointed Shivington to lead the Colorado Volunteers in 1864 prior to the massacre. Quote, he essentially gave a loaded gun to Shivington, unquote, Ortiz said. Quote, at that time, the tribes were trying to negotiate peaceful means to be able to live. Evans and Shivington, and the people of that time, they didn't want that. They wanted to kill the Indians." Unquote. After the killing, the Sand Creek soldiers paraded into Denver with grisly trophies taken from the massacre site, including scalps, human fetuses, and genitals severed from the corpses of victims. Ortiz said the display was meant to further terrorize the state's native populace, but the events of Sand Creek also kindled an armed resistance against the U.S. government, prompting years of fighting between native tribes and American soldiers. Quote, the Sand Creek massacre set the plains on fire, unquote, Hunt said. Quote, and that spring... It blew wide open. The Indian fighting didn't stop until years later. Unquote. Vastly outgunned, the alliance of Plains tribes failed to stop the westward invasion. 
Though fighting would continue into the 1870s, in 1867, a group of chiefs signed the Medicine Lodge Treaty, under which the Cheyenne and Arapaho relinquished their reservation southeast of Denver for lands in Oklahoma. A little over a decade later, some of the remaining Arapaho would be transported to a Shoshone reservation in Wyoming, known today as the Wind River Indian Reservation. A document shared by Gail Ridley also states that 73 Arapaho and Shoshone children were sent east on trains after Carlisle Indian Industrial School opened in Pennsylvania in 1879. Only 26 children would survive the experience, according to the document, as tuberculosis and other diseases claimed many lives. Ortiz said Aurora's indigenous forebears were distrustful and traumatized by Sand Creek when they were compelled to leave the state. Describing the tribe's relocation to their Colorado reservation in 1861 as being, quote, sent there to be murdered, unquote. Quote, we were living one way peacefully, striving to live, and after that, it was chaos, and everything changed, and people were struggling just to survive, unquote, Ortiz said murder and evictions. Quote, it was all a forced removal, unquote, Hunt said. Quote, and there's no way to sugarcoat that, unquote. The former professor said the idea that native lands were obtained by diplomacy is a myth. Treaties were broken by the United States and rewritten to suit its interests, and the chiefs who signed in some cases could not have represented the entirety of a tribe. Quote, no one could speak for the entire people. And then, once you've signed it, how do you get the white folks to honor the treaty? That's not going to happen, unquote, Hunt said. Quote, none of those treaties were willingly entered into by the indigenous nations. They were all more or less forced choices, Unquote. Colorado was elevated from a territory to a state in 1876. Aurora was incorporated as the town of Fletcher some 15 years later, acquiring its present name in 1907. Since the century of upheaval which expelled Colorado's native people, the ancestors of emigres and those killed in clashes with settlers have fought to preserve the early history of Colorado. By supporting the mission of the Sand Creek Massacre National Historic Site, seeking out research and archival materials, partnering with tribal organizations, and creating educational materials, those involved with the Sand Creek Massacre Foundation work to immortalize the hundreds killed on lands where they had been guaranteed safety. Quote, All of this time, Sand Creek was the start of what the tribe's historical trauma is today, unquote, Ortiz said. Quote, 
I know it's shameful, and they'd rather not teach it in schools. They'd rather talk about Governor Evans as the founder of the University of Denver than as a person culpable for the massacre, unquote. Quote, I get asked all the time why I'm doing this, unquote. Gail Wrigley said, quote, it's a healing process, not only for the victims, but for the people of Colorado. We've got to remember what happened at Sand Creek. Unquote. Local governments have also pursued closer ties with the indigenous nations. In June, Arapaho County renewed its partnership with the Northern Arapaho Tribe of Wyoming with an agreement signed by Nancy Jackson of the Arapaho County Board of County Commissioners and Tribal Elder Ben Ridgley. Later in the summer, Jackson and fellow commissioners Jeff Baker, Bill Holland, and Carrie Warren Gully visited the tribe's Wyoming reservation and were given a tour of tribal facilities and programs. In Aurora, the discussion of how to honor the city's indigenous history trended recently toward land acknowledgments. A statement read before the meetings of an organization recognizing indigenous tribes as the original stewards of American land. Denver's council began reading an acknowledgement before its meeting in 2020. A proposed acknowledgement came before the Aurora City Council in August, naming the Cheyenne, Ute, Arapaho, and Lakota people as the region's original settlers. Quote, the city of Aurora acknowledges that we gather on the territories and ancestral homelands of the Cheyenne, Ute, Arapaho, and Lakota peoples, past and present. We also recognize the 48 contemporary tribal nations that are historically tied to the lands that make up the state of Colorado. Indigenous people have remained committed to the stewardship of this land over many centuries. As these words of acknowledgement are spoken and heard, the ties that these nations have to their traditional homelands and to their vital place in the ecosystem are renewed and reaffirmed, and we are called to be better stewards of the land we inhabit as we continue to work to meet the needs of our entire community, unquote. The idea was shot down by council conservatives. One member, Danielle Jurinsky, said she was, quote, adamantly against, unquote, the acknowledgement as written and would only support an acknowledgement that recognized Aurora as, quote, God's country, unquote. But Mayor Mike Kaufman opted to read the statement anyway at the start of the council's August 22nd meeting. Quote, while I joined with some members who complained that some of the language of the resolution was controversial, the actual language of the land acknowledgement, in my view, is not controversial, unquote. Kaufman wrote in an August 16th social media post adding that he would include the statement, quote, at my discretion, unquote, in the council's opening prayer. 
Other conservatives said at the time that they thought an acknowledgement could be divisive and questioned why the acknowledgement focused on the harm done to Native Americans rather than the injustices of conquest in general. Quote, land has been conquered from all racial groups, and that's where I'm struggling with this, unquote. Council member Angela Lawson said, quote, it seems like this could be kind of divisive in a way, unquote. Council progressives were supportive of the acknowledgement, with Crystal Murillo saying it would, quote, show a sign of respect to our indigenous community, unquote and Ruben Medina saying the practice was common in other colonial nations. Quote, it's just respecting the past, unquote, Medina said. Quote, it's something that's going on worldwide, unquote. While some have criticized land acknowledgments as performative, Hunt said he believed the statements send an important message of awareness and openness to those residents of settler communities who can trace their roots back to the indigenous tribes of Colorado. Quote, they're still here. They didn't vanish. There are still tribal members living and working in Aurora and being insulted by the city council and living along the front range. They're not a vanished people, unquote, Hunt said. Ortiz said he thought acknowledgments like the one considered by Aurora's council was, quote, just the beginning, unquote, of healing, but would be appreciated by the Arapaho people. And for Ben Ridley, whose ancestor, Little Raven, reportedly said during treaty negotiations in 1865 that, quote, it will be a very hard thing to leave the country that God gave us. Unquote. The land where Aurora was built was more than property changing hands. Quote, we didn't look at it as an asset. It was our nature of living. It was our home, Unquote. he said. Quote, when you're living somewhere, you've got to remember the people who came before you. Unquote. U.S. changes names of places with racist term for native women including in Colorado, by Mead Groover, Associated Press, September 9th, 2022. Cheyenne, Wyoming The U.S. government has joined a ski resort and others that have quit using a racist term for a Native American woman by renaming hundreds of peaks, lakes, streams, and other geographical features on federal lands in the West and elsewhere. New names for nearly 650 places bearing the offensive word, quote, squaw, unquote, include the mundane Echo Peak, Texas, Peculiar, No Name Island, Maine, and indigenous terms, Namil Naukwide, Idaho, whose meaning at a glance will elude those unfamiliar with native languages. Namil Naukwide, Located in traditional lands of the Shoshone and Bannock tribes in southern Idaho, means a young sister creek. The tribes proposed the new name, quote, 
I feel a deep obligation to use my platform to ensure that our public lands and waters are accessible and welcoming. That starts with removing racist and derogatory names that have graced federal locations for far too long, unquote. Interior Secretary Deb Holland said in a statement. The changes announced Thursday capped an almost year-long process that began after Holland, the first Native American to lead a cabinet agency, took office in 2021. Holland is from Laguna Pueblo in New Mexico. The Native American Rights Fund, a nonprofit legal organization, welcomed the changes. Quote, federal lands should be welcoming spaces for all citizens, unquote. Deputy Director Matthew Campbell said in a statement, quote, It is well past time for derogatory names to be removed and tribes to be included in the conversation. Unquote. Holland, in November, declared the term derogatory and ordered members of the Board on Geographic Names, the Interior Department panel that oversees uniform naming of places in the U.S., and others to come up with alternatives. Holland, meanwhile, created a panel that will take suggestions from the public on changing other places named with derogatory terms. Other places renamed include Colorado's Mestaje Pass near Mestaje Mountain, about 30 miles or 48 kilometers west of Denver. The new name honors an influential translator, Owl Woman, who mediated between Native Americans and white traders and soldiers in what is now southern Colorado. The Board on Geographic Names approved changing the mountain's name in December. While the offensive term in question, identified as, quote, SQ underscores, unquote, by the Interior Department on Thursday, has met wide scorn in the U.S. only somewhat recently. Changing place names in response to broadening opposition to racism has long precedent. The department ordered the renaming of places carrying a derogatory term for black people in 1962 and those with a derogatory term for Japanese people in 1974. The private sector in some cases has taken the lead in changing the offensive term for native women. Last year, a California ski resort changed its name to Palisades Tahoe. A main ski area also committed in 2021 to changing its name. Two decades after that state removed the slur from names of communities and landmarks, though it has yet to do so. The term originated in the Algonquin language and may have once simply meant, quote, woman, unquote. But over time, the word morphed into a misogynist and racist term to disparage indigenous women experts say. California, meanwhile, has taken its own steps to remove the word from place names. The state legislator in August passed a bill that would remove the word from more than 100 places beginning in 2025. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom has until the end of September to decide whether to sign the bill into law. 
The Colorado name changes are as follows. In Weld County, the previous name Squaw Rock is now Earth Lodge Rock. In Mesa County, the previous name Squaw Fingers is now Artist's Fingers. In Summit County, the previous name Squaw Creek is now Nuchu Creek. In Eagle County, the previous name Squaw Creek is now Calero Creek. In Dolores County and San Juan County, Squaw Canyon is now Bug Canyon, and Squaw Point is now Sego Point. In Montezuma County, Squaw is now Kan Pachipi. In Yuma County, Squaw Hill is now Pawnee Hill. In Archuleta County, Squaw Creek is now Snow Creek. Little Squaw Creek is now Pargin Creek. And Squaw Canyon is now Eight Mile Canyon. In Ure County, Squatch Gulch is now Kavapayawiagat Gulch. In Hinsdale County, Squaw Creek is now Grizzly Creek. Squaw Lake is now Grizzly Lake. Little Squaw Creek is now Little Spruce Creek. Squaw Pass is now Grizzly Pass. In Montrose County, Squaw Hill is now Hairpin Hill. Squaw Creek is Cimarron Creek. In Gunnison County, Squaw Gulch is now Red Gulch. In Chaffee County, Squaw Creek is now Tabaguache Creek. In Saguache County, Squaw Creek is now Porcupine Creek. In Teller County, Squaw Mountain is now Evening Star Mountain. Squaw Gulch Historical is now Maze Gulch. In Fremont County, Squaw Creek is now Soapy Creek. In Baca County and Cimarron County, West Squaw Canyon is now West Pawnee Trail Canyon. East Squaw Canyon is now East Pawnee Trail Canyon. In Clear Creek County, Squaw Pass is Mistahe Pass. Man convicted of stabbing his girlfriend in the throat sentenced to 25 years by the Sentinel, September 8, 2022. Brighton. An Aurora man convicted of the lurid 2020 murder of his girlfriend while under the influence of hallucinogenics has been sentenced to 25 years in prison. Marcos Gutierrez, 24, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and the death of, of Erica Beatty, 20. Quote, this was a horrific and gruesome crime, unquote. 17th Judicial District Attorney Brian Mason said in a statement, quote, Our hearts go out to the victim and her family. I hope this sentence today will give them some measure of closure and peace. Unquote. Officials asked for first-degree murder charges after Gutierrez stabbed and cut Beatty's throat while the couple were inside a North Aurora apartment April 11, 2020. Gutierrez pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in June 2022. Aurora police found Beatty, 20, with multiple stab wounds inside the apartment. 
She was pronounced dead at a local hospital about half an hour later. Beatty graduated from Arveda High School and was studying at Johnson and Wales University, according to information posted on Facebook. Witnesses later told detectives that Beatty and Gutierrez had taken acid, possibly LSD, together earlier in the evening, according to court documents. The same witnesses said Gutierrez eventually retrieved an AR-15 rifle and, quote, started making statements that he wanted to shoot himself and die, unquote, according to an arrest affidavit obtained by the Sentinel. The witnesses, a pair of men who were friends with both Beatty and Gutierrez, managed to wrestle the gun away from Gutierrez, who then began, quote, talking incoherently about stabbing someone, unquote, according to detectives. The men then attempted to hide all of the knives in the kitchen. Quote, Gutierrez came up behind Beatty and slit her throat with the knife, unquote, according to the affidavit. One witness reportedly heard Beatty say, quote, why did you do that? What did you do? Unquote, as she began to choke on blood. First responders found Gutierrez naked and covered in blood on the kitchen floor of the apartment, detectives wrote. He refused to speak with Aurora police and fire personnel, only saying, quote, F you pigs, unquote, according to the affidavit. Deputy District Attorney Ashley Munez and Chief Deputy District Attorney Ali Baber were lead prosecutors for the case, officials said. Aurora apartment explosion blows wall out of complex Saturday by the Sentinel, September 10, 2022. Aurora Firefighters are investigating an explosion inside an apartment in a large complex in central Aurora that blew a large hole in an outside wall Saturday morning. There were no immediate reports of serious injury. Aurora Fire and Rescue said they were called to Parkside Collective Apartments at 14565 East Alameda Avenue at about 10 a.m. to investigate reports of smoke. Quote, on arrival, crews began searching for hazards when an explosion occurred, unquote, fire officials said in a tweet. The blast caused a large hole in the wall outside of the complex. It's unclear whether anyone inside complex was injured by smoke or the blast. Resident Matt Lynn said one person outside of the apartment may have been hit by debris. Quote, at this time, it is unknown what the exact origin of the explosion was, but all searches have been negative, and all crews have mitigated hazards and are out of the structure at this time awaiting assistance with utilities control, unquote, fire officials said. One resident said the blast might have been caused by a hot water heater, but fire officials did not confirm that. Thank you for joining us for the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303 303- 
786-7777.